Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Sex with Jaya is brought to you by Aloe Cadabra. Aloe Cadabra is 95% organic aloe vera. Visit www.alocadabra.com today. Step inside the sensual world of sex with Jaya. This hour will bring you sex education like you've never heard before. It's uncensored, no holes barred advice to increase your sexual knowledge and performance. Now, here's your host, Jaya. I'm ready for sex with Jaya. Are you? I am so ready for sex with Jaya today. <laughs> yes, unfortunately, I'm practicing celibacy right now. <laughs> but what does celibacy mean? The issue. Well, well, for me, it's I'm still allowed to have orgasms, so maybe I'm cheating, but it means no, no intercourse. I'm having abstinence from intercourse at this moment. Uh, so you can still have assisted um, orgasm or assisted sensual enjoyment. Yes, yes. I think many people might beg to argue. With <laughs> I'm not really practicing celibacy. Yes. Yes. Well. Yes. On, we should get on to our topic today, D-Love. You've got me flustered talking about my celibacy. Hmm. Um, I'm, I'm resting. We'll use the, the terminology from my new website. That's a good idea. I'm sexually resting right now. You're right. So tell people a little bit about feeling. what that might mean. Yes. You, you have a whole new website. We haven't even talked about it on the show. I know. Sexisyou.com is the new website. Say it again. Sexisyou.com. Okay. Because sex isn't just something that we do. It's part of who we are. Hell, it's where we all came from, right? It is. So sexisyou.com. Yeah. And there's tons of articles and videos and archives of this radio show, all kinds of stuff on the site. It's really exciting. But people can also go there and find out their own unique sex stage. So I was talking about, you know, I'm sexually resting and healing. Okay. Um, there's five stages, transformative, curious, adventurous, resting, healing, and you can find yourself within those, and then there's specific articles and information for you. Can you break them down to their sound bites? What, what are those five? <laughs> yes, do love. Um, so sexually resting is basically like you're taking a little break, and that may be a conscious decision or a forced decision <laughs> based on um, where you're at uh, in other places. So, for example, sexually healing, which means that you, exactly that, you're healing, um, may force you to be resting. Um, this could be and, psychological or physical or both? Yes, it's all, all of that. All of that. And then curious is wanting to learn more. And adventurous is wanting to learn more about some taboo or kinky topics. Um, so that, and that, that kind of ties into our topic today, being cheating and, and non-monogamy. That would fall under the adventurous category. Sort of out of the norm stuff. And then, um, not that I claim it to be out of the norm, I just 
you know, I want to normalize things like that, but um, for not the most cheating, society, but, but authenticity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm all about authenticity. I'll talk about that in a little bit when we get into the show today. And then finally, it's transformative. So this is like your sacred sexuality category, the, the more to sex, uh, erotic trance, sacred sex, tantra, Taoism, some of those, those ideas. So it's, a full, it's about full-spectrum sexuality is what the site is about. So if people want to get into this juicy material and find themselves sexually, they can visit sexisyou.com. Yes. For that and so much more. Yes. So much more. Thanks, D-Love, for that little plug. You're welcome. So our topic today, we're talking about why we cheat. And if monogamy is unnatural for us human beings, prehistory might tell us the answers. So th- this is probably going to be one of our most fascinary, fa- fascinating, fascinating. <laughs> fascinating shows to date today. We're interviewing the author of the controversial book, Sex at Dawn, The Prehistoric or- Origins of Modern Sexuality. Now, that might sound like a bunch of science stuff, but let me tell you that this book was so fun and so engaging, yet so full of things that had me asking more and more questions about what our sexuality means to us. Like, why do we cheat? And what does all of this prehistory free love stuff have to do with us today, right here living in the modern world? I can't wait for you all to hear what the author, Christopher Ryan, has to say as he provides us with some thought-provoking answers to these questions and more. One of those questions being, why do people cheat on each other? I'd love to hear your views. You can call us anytime, 1-866-472-5788. Um, I'd love to hear, you know, why do you think people cheat? So, do you love why do you think people cheat? I think, first, we are very sexual beings, the human race. And second, why it falls into the category of cheating, I, I would say is because there's so much um, shame and inauthenticity, a fear of revealing our true selves to each other, mm. that, that it feels necessary to hide oneself in order to to get the love that we're all seeking and the acceptance that we're all seeking. So we present this false face. We get into a relationship. We have to keep up the false face. But at first, it's not false because we're in love. We're just totally overwhelmed. This is the only person for us. All the hormones and pheromones and everything's all kicking in. So it, it may not be inauthentic then. But as time goes on, the whole cycle shifts and we get used to each other. Maybe we don't like each other as much as we used to and then it, we're so deep into the relationship, having presented ourselves to our, our mate that way, that uh, to put our true authentic self forward feels like such a huge leap and we'll never be accepted and we'll lose the relationship. So I'd say it's a lot of fear and a lot of uh, hiding and inauthenticity, unwillingness to accept our um, true animal natures. Mm-hmm. So I think also there's such a big myth out there that men are like the only ones who cheat, but women cheat just as much as men. And I actually used to do spiritual counseling for women, and let me tell you that I spent most of my time listening to confessions about secret affairs. Mm. (laughs) And then there's sites like AshleyMadison.com that actually help people cheat. Now, I'm not into the secrecy and the lying at all. I don't want people to get me wrong here. Actually, I think some of my videos have shown up on like some kind of cheating website, and I've asked them to take it down because I'm not an advocate for cheating, actually, not at all. I'm not an, an advocate for the lying and the, the inauthenticity that goes along with having affairs, the secrecy and all of that. I'm, you know, What I see out there is that most people practice something called serial monogamy. We get bored 
you know, we're in a monogamous relationship, we get bored, we get a bunch of relationship baggage going on, and we start looking for somebody else. And I find this a really strange practice. It's like I've had these clients who are unhappy in their relationships, but they wait to leave until they find something better. So they kind of like hold on, even though they're unhappy, they wait, they leave, you know, they have a big whatever breakup, end of their relationship, and then they move on to someone else. But I don't understand, you know, like why we don't work on our relationships to make them better or add to our relationships, like adding another person into our relationship, like non-monogamy or something like that, or even transform our relationship. One of my favorite books out there is a book called Mastering Alive Relationships, and it taught me something very valuable. You know, I don't end relationships. I, for the most part, try to allow them to transform we're also attached to success or failure in our intimate relationships. You know, like, oh, somebody got divorced or, oh, they broke up, and it's like as if we've failed to have this massive failure. But what if all relationships are success stories and they don't end, they actually just transform? It's just an idea I'm throwing out there for, for you all, you know, just something that to explore. And I, I love this idea of transformation. For the most part, I would say that, that, that the majority of my relationships have just transformed either into friendship or a different way of relating, um, you know, that there, there's still some sort of relationship there. But it's not – I definitely am not into practicing serial monogamy. I'm more into, you know, like I have a, a relationship that I was in with my partner, John, and then Ian came in, and – that was a perfect addition to that relationship, and I, but I don't think that I necessarily would be in that relationship if Ian wasn't there. It's like the dynamic of the three of us works, but maybe the dynamic of John and I together wouldn't necessarily work. Does that make or sense? It, it would have transformed, but it might have transformed to more of a friendship, friendship. or mm-hmm. any number of things. So, but you know, in line with this, like, what are what are the lessons that we are taught in society? Did you have any classes in normal school about uh, powerful communication skills or what it is that brings two people together hormonally and what might shift over time so that uh, you would have uh, the ability to understand why you were so in love when you first got together and three years later those same um, big romantic feelings are not there. I think people think that uh, from the the mythology that we're given, and and the book that we're talking about today gets into this, we inherit this idea of happily ever after, and that the standard narrative he calls it. Standard narrative, yeah. (laughs) Yes. So the the, boy meets girl, girl gets married to boy, they fall in love, they have a baby, and they live happily ever after. And they're supposed to be happily together ever after. Mm Mm-hmm without having interest in other people. and This is, this is a good uh, formula also for most of our movies out there, so it's reiterated kind of in our media and everywhere, everywhere that we look. You know, it's, it, I was just on a radio show last week, and they were talking about monogamy, and, and one of the guests brought up, like, well, monogamy is the only way. And I, and I really had to challenge that. I, had, I just wrote a blog. It's going around on Twitter. I've seen it on Facebook today, too. Like, people are actually talking about it today, um, which is, ties in perfectly with the show today. But, um, you know, I had to speak up. I just couldn't keep my mouth shut because I said, you know, it has to be also presented as a viable option that people have relationships that are non-monogamous and that that can be, that can be actually a really powerful and effective way to be in relationship. I think that we cannot discredit, 
and that monogamy is not the only way that's out there. And, um, you know, I'm really excited to speak to our guest today, not just because I have my own bias, of course, because I'm in a polyamorous relationship, but I have to also say that I'm not against monogamy. Monogamy is also an option. Monogamy is a choice for people. I'm just saying that there, has, there is another choice. There's another way to be in a relationship and another way to relate um, so I'm really interested in talking to Christopher Ryan today. He's the author of Sex at Dawn, The Prehistoric Origins of Modern Sexuality. Um, before we go to break, you can check out his website at sexatdawn.com. And he's going to have some answers for us. I think he has done a lot of myth-busting in his book and a lot of science behind um, these, these notions of relationship and maybe this answer to why are we so prone to cheating? What, what is it about human beings that that leads us to cheat on our partners we'll be back with more sex with jaya and our expert guests stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast all the time the number one internet talk station where your opinion counts VoiceAmerica.com. let's say you're female Let's say you're over 50. Let's say your partner takes a little blue pill. Let's say he's ready to go maybe four hours. Let's say that's unfair. There's no little blue pill for women, but there is aloe cadabra, the first personal lubricant that's made from 95% organic aloe. So it's as natural as nature, which means it naturally does for your body what your body may no longer naturally do for itself. We're not saying that it will last four hours, but if you're lucky, neither will he. Aloe cadabra. Feel the magic happen. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. Drawing on resources from wellness communities throughout America and abroad, the show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Wellness Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Are you ready to become an oral sex aficionado and give your partner unforgettable pleasure day and night? Jaya, world-renowned sexologist, has created the ultimate educational experience for couples. Oral Sex for Couples features over 100 techniques in a three-volume series. Guys, learn hand and mouth combinations that will send her soaring. Women, Master ancient oral arts that will not only leave him breathless, but are said to keep you youthful and glowing. Both of you will be inspired to try the best positions for comfort and pleasure as you make love with your mouths. Watch now at www.oralsexforcouples.com. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Sex with Jaya. To ask the burning questions you've always wanted to ask or share a tip or comment of your own. Please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Feeling shy? Send an email to Jaya at MissJaya.com. That's J-A-I-Y-A at MissJaya.com. 
Now back to Sex with Jaya. For those of you who haven't checked out the yummy, effective, and 95% organic aloe cadabra, you can go to alocadabra.com. Use coupon code Jaya, J-A-I-Y-A, for 20% off shipping. And shipping is free when you buy any three. Our guest today, I am so excited to interview Christopher Ryan. He's the author of the book Sex at Dawn. You can visit him at sexatdawn.com for more information. He's also on Twitter, Sex at Dawn, same, same thing. Christopher, welcome to Sex with Jaya. Thanks. Great to be here. I am so excited. I keep saying I'm excited, but I'm a very easily excited person. <laughs> um, I'm excited too, Jaya. So Sex at Dawn is a bold and very intelligent book. I, you know, I just had so much fun reading it, even though it has a lot of science in it. But what made you want to write something like this? Oh, well, there were so many different uh, motivations, but I guess the, the primary one was just feeling that um, we had stumbled upon some information that was both important and new and also something that would be helpful to people. Mm. Uh, so I guess the, the primary motivation was to, you know, I think a lot of people sort of um, understand that monogamy doesn't come naturally, but they don't know why. They, they don't have the time or the, the resources to, you know, spend 10 years uh, investigating it and doing all this research and, and figuring out what, how things fit together. And so, you know, just through um, good fortune, I had the time and the interest and, and did this research. And, and when I sort of saw how it all fit together, uh, I just felt like, wow, this is this has to be published. This, uh, you know, we got to get this out there because it's so important and, and I hope will be helpful to people. Yeah, you're like me. I get the information, I do all the research, and then I have to get the information out there in a big way. So I know uh, it can be a thankless job sometimes, so thank you for getting the information out. Oh, well, thanks. Thanks for helping helping us spread the word. Can I um, ask your background? Are you an anthropologist, or how did you get in into this uh, research? Uh, my Ph.D. is in psychology, technically, um, but my doctoral research was on human sexual behavior in prehistory, which uh, obviously involves a lot of anthropology and uh, archaeology and primatology, uh, as well as psychology. So, uh, yeah, technically my advanced degrees are in psychology and my undergraduate degrees in literature. So there were a lot of ologies in there, everybody. So yeah, now yeah. we're going to talk about another one. Um, you know, we're hardwired due to our biology to seek out more than one partner, regardless of our gender. Is that true? Do you believe that monogamy is unnatural? Is polyamory or non-monogamy more of a natural way of being? What's your opinion on that? Or, or even, like, what's your scientific basis on that? Because I know you, you, you have that back to back you up. Yeah, well, when you use the word natural, um, talking about human behavior, you can get into thin ice, onto thin ice pretty quickly, because so many, uh, the whole naturalistic argument is very complicated, because one of the things that comes most, most naturally to human beings is change and adaptation to cultural um, shifts. Um, so... But we, given all that, what we've got is an animal that has a very strong pre, uh, evolved predispositions, is the, the phrase that some scientists use. So 
Uh, I wouldn't use the the phrase hardwired because that suggests that there's no uh, free will, there's no uh, ability to choose uh, how to behave. As we say in the book, you can choose what to do, but you can't choose what to want. Mm. So, you know, we are hardwired to the sense that we've got these tendencies to be attracted to variety in sexual partners, for example. Uh, And that's uh, something that we see in many species, the so-called Coolidge effect. Um, But, of course, we can choose what to do. Now, if we choose to do something that runs counter to these uh, um, uh, predispositions, that creates trauma, psychological trauma and and even sometimes uh, physiological uh, trauma. And we see this, for example, in something as concrete as diet and exercise patterns, where if if our diet diverges too far from what we evolved to eat, we end up with obesity and heart disease and diabetes, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So psychologically, the same processes uh, pertain. If we, if we diverge too far from what our natural appetites uh, direct us toward, then we have uh, stress and depression and all so sorts wait of wait a minute. Are you saying that, you know, if, if variety is sort of what we're predisposed to do, then by not having a lot of variety, we're actually like kind of on a bad diet? Sure. <laughs> we're, in a, sure. we're on an unhealthy diet that's going to cause psychological damage. Inviting neurosis. Yeah, I mean, I mean you were talking about it earlier. Why do people cheat? Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's probably the primary reason. It's this lack of variety in our erotic diet, you know, leads us to resent our partner, leads us to lose um, appreciation for our partner, and uh, often to, uh, you know, we get blinded by the uh, erotic appeal of newness, of novelty. Mm-hmm. And so you have, you know, somebody, I don't know, John Edwards maybe is an example of somebody who, you know, seemingly, and we don't really know, but uh, seemingly the woman that he left his wife for was not really uh, uh, comparable to his wife in terms of intelligence and certainly in terms of shared history and intimacy and all these other things that presumably they had built up together over the years. And uh, we see this happen a lot. People walk away from an otherwise very meaningful, important part of their lives for some novelty, and then, of course, the novelty wears off after a while. You were talking about serial monogamy earlier, I I heard you, and I was thinking how similar serial monogamy is to the sort of shallow consumerist throwaway culture we have. Mm-hmm. Right, this relationship's not working for me, so I'll just wait for something better to come along, and then I'll go buy that. Exactly. Throw and it away instead of recycling. Exactly, and, and <laughs> or, or or just you know getting a really, you know, making a careful decision initially and sticking with it, and you know, and, and fixing that old car instead of turning it in for you know a new Toyota, and um, you know we have people, uh, these sort of uh, moral, morally judgmental people like Newt Gingrich, who's been married three or four times. Mm-hmm. Talking about family values—it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. And people listen to it. That's the that's the more hilarious part. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so we have you know gender also. Are there differences between why women or men have affairs? Why a woman might cheat versus why a man might cheat? And I know there's a huge mythology. And I was talking about it earlier about oh, men cheat, but women don't. But I think that that's really off. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's difficult to to talk um, about women's motivations in sexuality sometimes because women are 
so much more complex uh, than men in, in this area, generally. Now, of course, anything I'm going to say today, please, all listeners should keep in mind, there are many exceptions, and we're just generalizing for the sake of conversation. But um, in general, it, when women uh, talk about why they have affairs, they tend to talk more about emotional connection, more about intimacy, uh, more about dissatisfaction with their primary partner. Mm-hmm. Whereas men uh, often uh, simply say... They love say, their wives. I hear this a lot. I love my wife, but... Yeah, exactly. Well, I think it was uh, Donald Simons who said the primary motivation for a man sleeping with a woman other than his wife is that she isn't his wife. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. which isn't an indictment of the wife at all. It's just what I was saying earlier about novelty and the, the, the appeal of novelty. The so-called Coolidge effect. So... It's, uh, yeah, it's different. And, and also with women, you've got, you know, if you talk about women's sexuality, you have to talk about how old she is because mm-hmm. a woman's sexuality and motivations when she's 20 are going to be quite different from when she's 50. Right. We have multiple uh, sexualities, as Esther Perel says. Exactly. In her book, uh, and, and I love Mating in Captivity. You quote her book a, a number of times in your work as well. Yeah, um, yeah, that's that's a wonderful book, and not only through changes through the life cycle, but changes through the menstrual cycle as well. Exactly. Yep, we did a show on that with Sherry Winston just a few weeks ago on on female cycles. So really important stuff for everybody to check out and listen to more of that. You can find out more about our topic, Sex at Dawn, at sexatdawn.com. And um, we are really, I think we're chatting about some controversial stuff here. So if you feel like you want to call in and ask us any questions, feel free to do that. Um, you know what? This reminds me of a question that I had from some, from a woman just yesterday, and I, I wrote a blog about it. But she said, you know, I'm not attracted to my husband anymore. How can I get attracted to him? Do you have any tips for this woman? <laughs> well, it, it, like, it would, just like you said, it's very complicated for women. It's very complicated, and and you know, we made a very uh, conscious decision when we pitch this book to publishers not to write any anything prescriptive at all mm-hmm. um, because every individual is just a world you know and every relationship is a universe and it's constantly changing and you know everyone's uh, individual psychology interacting with someone else's psychological development and how long have they been together and do they have kids and you know is there are there money issues is there resentment about other things you know god knows so uh, much plays into it and when they send yeah. you a question that's like one line how can i be attracted to my husband again <laughs> right i mean is he attractive you know <laughs> right. I mean, right i don't know but you know I'll, I'll tell you one thing i think couples should be um comfortable and, and not feel apologetic about taking separate vacations, spending time with friends apart from the relationship. Because one of the the things that I think is a lot of people are um, sort of guilt-tripped into feeling like they should always be happy mm-hmm. in, in that one relationship, and that one relationship should solve all their problems and answer all their questions and, you know, uh, scratch all their itches. And I think if people make space, in their relationships, you know, open the windows, let some fresh air in, whether that be uh, other sexual partners or not, um, I think can definitely have a reinvigorating effect on the relationship. Mm -hmm. It's almost like when we're too close, we smother each other. 
and then the the you know too much especially emotional intimacy can can smother the fire of the passion and the sexual heat between two people. Exactly. I may be Beethoven's your favorite composer, but if all you listen to is Beethoven every day for the next five years, you're going to get kind of sick of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Or 20 um, or 30 or 50. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, so we we have to go to break quickly, but I want to talk, I want to talk more about your research and why you think people cheat based on some of the research that you discovered And um, I want to encourage everybody listening to go to Christopher Ryan's website and check out the book, Sex at Dawn. I really found it a really wonderful and very interesting, fascinating read, especially for you all who are sex geeks out out there because it has so much really awesome information about that. So sexatdawn.com, and we'll be back with more Sex with Jaya. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you ready to become an oral sex aficionado and give your partner unforgettable pleasure day and night? Jaya, world-renowned sexologist, has created the ultimate educational experience for couples. Oral Sex for Couples features over 100 techniques in a three-volume series. Guys, learn hand and mouth combinations that will send her soaring. Women, master ancient oral arts that will not only leave him breathless, but are said to keep you youthful and glowing. Both of you will be inspired to try the best positions for comfort and pleasure as you make love with your mouths. Watch now at www.oralsexforcouples.com. Let's say you're female. Let's say you're over 50. Let's say your partner takes a little blue pill. Let's say he's ready to go maybe four hours. Let's say that's unfair. There's no little blue pill for women, but there is Aloe Cadabra, the first personal lubricant that's made from 95% organic aloe. So it's as natural as nature, which means it naturally does for your body what your body may no longer naturally do for itself. We're not saying that it will last four hours, but if you're lucky, neither will he. Aloe Cadabra. Feel the magic happen. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're tuned in to Sex with Jaya. To ask the burning questions you've always wanted to ask or share a tip or comment of your own, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Feeling shy? Send an email to Jaya at MissJaya.com. That's J-A-I-Y-A at MissJaya.com. Now back to Sex with Jaya. We're back. We're talking with author Christopher Ryan. He wrote an amazing book, Sex at Dawn. And you can find out more about Christopher at sexatdawn.com and his information about his book as well. And today we're talking about why people cheat and um, monogamy and non-monogamy and all the things in between. So, Christopher, based on your research, why do you think people cheat? Uh, I think... 
people cheat because uh, long-term sexual monogamy is antithetical to our evolved um, predispositions, our tendencies. Mm-hmm. You know, we are, people don't, sometimes people say to me when I give a presentation or something, they say, you know, uh, you're, you talk about uh, humans having sex all the time and, it, it, you know, you're exaggerating it, you make us sound like animals. We are uh, animals. (laughs) Well, that's the first thing. Yeah, we are animals. Hello. uh, But the second thing is human beings have sex far more than most animals. Mm -hmm. I I mean, we are practically unique in terms of uh, the amount of time that we have, uh, that we spend thinking about sex, planning sex, remembering sex, having sex, masturbating, dreaming about sex. You add all that up, we spend such a large percentage of our time on this planet. Uh, well, I know I spend most of my day thinking about sex. Yeah, blogging about sex, right? <laughs> Interviewing about <laughs> um, But most uh, animals only have sex when the female is ovulating. Mm-hmm. And uh, in many species, she, she'll only ovulate once or twice a year. Mm-hmm. But uh, human beings have very sex. very different. Yeah, we have sex, you know, when when a woman is ovulating, obviously, but we also have sex when she's not ovulating, when she's menstruating, when she's postmenopausal, when she's already pregnant. Mm-hmm. We have all kinds of sex that can't possibly lead to pregnancy. Right. Um, and you know, these things are not common in the animal kingdom, and where they're found, they tend to be found in highly intelligent, highly social species like our two closest relatives. So there's a very deep connection between uh, high intelligence, social uh, complexity, and high libido. Mm -hmm. So it's very unnatural uh, for the highest intelligent animal and the most socially complex species to be in this social institution of um, culturally uh, enforced sexual monogamy. So that's why people cheat. Yeah, it's just not natural. <laughs> so, um, you know, in, in talking about this discussion, too, I, some of the things I just loved about your book were some of the really interesting tidbits about different things like penis size or testicle size and <laughs> amounts of semen. Can you, can you just shed some light on some of the interesting things that you found in your, bo- in your research? Well, sure, yeah. I, testicle size... And uh, penis design, what Dan Savage calls the plunger penis. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, essentially, a gorilla's penis is the size of your pinky finger. Mm-hmm. Uh, and his testicles are about the size of kidney beans. Okay. So we're talking uh, you know, about an animal, a male gorilla is two to three times the size of uh, the average man, but this tiny little penis. And what... Uh, scientists discovered 30, 40 years ago, they, they figured out that the, uh, the ratio of testicle vol- testicular volume to overall body size is a very strong indicator of the promiscuity of the female of the species. Now, this is for all mammals, not only primates, because what happens is that in, a, in an animal like the gorilla, where you have a harem-based system, the males fight. The, the biggest, strongest male ten generally wins, becomes the alpha male. The other males get kicked out of the group and have to go wander through the, the jungle in a band of frustrated bachelors. 
And uh, the alpha male controls his harem of females. So he's the only male who has sex with those females. So if you look at this from an evolutionary perspective, the genes controlling for large size and uh, strength are favored, but there's no need for him to produce a lot of sperm or to uh, have a penis that's going to put that sperm closer to the egg because he's the only male having sex with those females. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you look at a promiscuous multi-male, multi-female mating uh, species like uh, chimps or bonobos, our two closest non-human primate relatives, where lots of males have sex with each female in any given menstrual cycle, the males develop much larger uh, testicles so they can produce much more sperm because what's happening is, especially with the bonobos, there's very little conflict between the males because everybody's having sex. Mm-hmm. And so... They're all happy. Yeah, they're all happy, okay. relaxed, um, and the conflict... You know, because there is conflict in, in nature, in, in uh, any sort of evolutionary scenario. There is going to be competition, as Darwin explained. But what happens in promiscuous species is that the competition is taking place on the level of the sperm cell. Mm. So the males develop these larger testicles because the male who's, uh, you know, sending out the most sperm, the most vigorous sperm, is the one who tends to impregnate the female because the sperm cells are competing within her reproductive system. Which also makes sense, too, why there's a plunger penis. Well, yeah, exactly. The, the plunger penis is a particular human adaptation, because uh, chimps and bonobos don't have plunger penises, and they also don't have the repeated thrusting action that's mm-hmm. common to humans. Uh, chimps and bonobos, uh, anywhere from 8 to 15 seconds is uh, uh, intercourse, I guess we can call oh. it, yeah. Not very long. No, no. So, you know, even a, a man who only makes it to a minute is, is out-competing the chimps, so he can get <laughs> a little consolation prize there. It's not going to help women much, but uh, anyway, the, uh, the, the flared head of the human penis combined with the repeated thrusting action serves to pull back any sperm that is already in her system. So the hypothesis is that we evolved this particular penile morphology or design in order to give another advantage to our own sperm because if I'm not the first guy, then I sort of, I'm pulling back the sperm from uh, earlier guys in order to give my boys a better shot. I had heard something to the effect uh, that the um, desire for men to go to sleep after or having orgasm was an evolutionary design because within the bonobos and chimpanzees, the female would take male partner after male partner, and in order to uh, facilitate the, like, to avoid fighting between the male partners, the one partner would ejaculate. The men would just go to sleep. He'd go to sleep. (laughs) The next one could jump in. And the short um, uh, duration of their um, sexual intercourse the, it, it took a lot of that to lead up to the female having orgasm. So it was a collective of male partners that then would allow it for the, the woman to reach orgasm. Do you come across anything like that? 
Well, yeah, I mean, this is all sort of um, hypothesis in, in hindsight, right? We're, we're looking at something that exists, and we're saying, hmm, how could that fit into the scenario we have? Hmm. And, uh, yeah, what you described certainly fits into the scenario that we um, argue for in Sex at Dawn, because, as you say, it cuts down on any sort of conflict, which would have been you know, the sort of the central thesis of our book is that sexuality for human beings is uh, not primarily about reproduction. It's about uh, establishing and maintaining social bonds within a community. Hmm. And uh, that was crucially important to the survival of our ancestors. Right. And uh, it's almost as if, um, you know, birth and pregnancy and so on is just a byproduct of sexuality, because obviously we put so much more energy into it than we need just to get pregnant, right? So, um, yeah, the, what you describe, this sort of multi-male mating situation, uh, cuts down on conflict, as I described earlier with bonobos, where they're not fighting the way gorillas do, because everybody gets laid. So, uh, and nobody really... Uh, has presumably has any consciousness of whose sperm is successful and whose isn't, so who cares? Mm-hmm. And um, and bonobos also engage in all sorts of non-reproductive sexual behavior, uh, homosexuality and uh, oral sex and hand jobs and foot jobs, I guess, for bonobos. They can, they can <laughs> do it either way. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, so falling asleep and also just the sort of... Uh, typical lack, loss of interest, you know, how a man can be completely focused on sex and then he has an orgasm and then he's like absolutely not interested, you know, and would rather go watch the rest of the baseball game or whatever. Mm-hmm. Take a nap. So, yeah, that, that makes so sense. You so many really great myths in your book. Uh, I wonder what, what's the, your favorite or your most taboo myths that you think that you've broken? Oh, God. Well, probably the the central myth that we confront is this myth that women aren't particularly interested in sex and don't really enjoy it. Amen. I disagree. (laughs) They do. They love sex. Yeah, and we trace, I mean, this, you know, obviously has a very deep um, origin in Western thought going back to, probably back to the origins of agriculture when women became property of men, but uh, certainly it received a lot of uh, support in Darwinian theory, and so we have a little fun with talking about Darwin's own personal sex life, Mm -hmm. uh, which uh, doesn't appear to have been terribly interesting. (laughs) No, I saw that movie, Darwin, which uh, was was just, it was just fascinating, you know, the religious input and influence, and I think that that probably had a lot to do with cutting out a lot of the sexual information that he did have. I think you were right on about that. Yeah, Yeah, what's interesting is that his grandfather was a famous bohemian, Mm. libertine. His grandfather had kids with several different women, and he wrote uh, poetry about group sex, and, you know, he was like a real wild and crazy intellectual Bon vivant. And uh, so I think, you know, within the, the Darwin family, there was also this sort of feeling like, oh, God, you know, the grandfather was this embarrassment. And uh, so they really, by Darwin's, Charles's generation and his daughters were insanely uh, sex negative. Yeah, yeah, very, very conservative. 
Awesome. I love that you're breaking that myth out there, and I love that you're also breaking the myth of what you call the standard narrative, which is this, you know, I was talking about earlier, the boy meets girl, girl meets boy, they get married, they have a baby, and they live happily ever after and uh, stay monogamous to each other till death do you part. And uh, I'm really happy that you're challenging that. We have to go to a break. Um, you can go to sexatdawn.com to find out more about the book and the work that Christopher Ryan is doing in the world. Um, in the meantime, you can also check out Aloe Cadabra, which you can find nationwide at any one of Vitamin Shop's 490 locations at Whole Foods in Southern California or at Sprouts if you live in Arizona, Denver, and California. And my new website, sexisyou.com. So be sure to go there and check out more. I'm writing about a lot of about this topic that we're discussing today. So when we return, more Sex with Jaya and Sex at Dawn. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Let's say you're female. Let's say you're over 50. Let's say your partner takes a little blue pill. Let's say he's ready to go maybe four hours. Let's say that's unfair. There's no little blue pill for women, but there is aloe cadabra, the first personal lubricant that's made from 95% organic aloe. So it's as natural as nature, which means it naturally does for your body what your body may no longer naturally do for itself. We're not saying that it will last four hours, but if you're lucky, neither will he. Aloe cadabra. Feel the magic happen. Now there's a new destination for video content, voiceamerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, voiceamerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us support. Are you ready to become an oral sex aficionado and give your partner unforgettable pleasure day and night? Jaya, world-renowned sexologist, has created the ultimate educational experience for couples. Oral Sex for Couples features over 100 techniques in a three-volume series. Guys, learn hand and mouth combinations that will send her soaring. Women, Master ancient oral arts that will not only leave him breathless, but are said to keep you youthful and glowing. Both of you will be inspired to try the best positions for comfort and pleasure as you make love with your mouths. Watch now at www.oralsexforcouples.com. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Sex with Jaya. To ask the burning questions you've always wanted to ask or share a tip or comment of your own. Please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Feeling shy? Send an email to Jaya at MissJaya.com. That's J-A-I-Y-A at MissJaya.com. 
Now, back to Sex with Jaya. We're speaking with our guest, Christopher Ryan. He's the author of Sex at Dawn. You can check out more about him at sexatdawn.com. He's also going to be speaking in mid-June, if anybody's up in Toronto. I know I have a lot of Canadians listening to the show. Um, a, a thing that's very much like TED Talks, only in Canada, Idea City. So be sure to check that out. You can find out more information at his site, sexatdawn.com, about that in June. So I, we have a short segment here, but I want to dive in with some more questions. One being, um, there's a specific part in your book um, about ejaculation. And there's this belief, especially sort of in the tantric Taoist community, I've been in the tantric community for a long time, that frequent ejaculation is not good for you. But I've been playing, you know, I see, I've been seeing a lot of people getting prostate infections and issues as a, as a result of practicing some of these techniques. And so I would love to just ask you about what you discovered about ejaculation and how it is actually linked to our health. Yeah, I, I certainly don't consider myself an expert on this, but um, I, I, I am familiar with what you're talking about in the Taoist tradition. And, um, you know, I find, I find a lot of the Taoist tradition in terms of sexual teaching to be uh, very valuable, but that's the one area that I never quite bought because, you know, I mean, I, I can tell you when I was 15 or 16, um, there was there was definitely plenty of libidinous energy to go around, and there was no reason to be you know saving it up for later. Um, but uh, what we found in the in the research is that there's an association between not having uh, frequent um, orgasms for men in their teens and twenties and developing prostate cancer later in life. Mm-hmm. And it seems that the um, seminal fluid uh, concentrates toxins that uh, can, uh, over time, possibly provoke uh, cancers. So the sort of flushing out of the seminal ducts is, um, is important to maintaining health. So, you know, any time I hear somebody say orgasm's bad for you, I immediately think, wait a minute, you know, what, what are you selling? Is this a religious thing? You know, it, it just, our bodies are obviously designed to have frequent orgasms, males and females. And um, uh, I would need I like very that, strong evidence. I want to have more orgasms. Well, I should be in, I, I should be in good shape then. Good, yes. good, good for you. <laughs> So, uh, you know, all this information in your book about prehistory is really great, but one of the questions that kept coming up for me as I was reading your book, I'm like, yeah, all this is great, yeah, this so, totally falls in alignment with my beliefs and blah, 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 but how does it apply to people today? How does it apply to us in the modern world? You know, in other words, what do we do with this information? Should we go back to being hunter-gatherers living in nomadic groups with free sexual expression? Of course, it sounds like utopia to me, but I, I just wonder, what would you like people to see that to do with this information? Well, I think there, there are different uh, types of responses that could be helpful. I, I think the, the first response is uh, information, I think, particularly information that we present in the book, could lead to greater tolerance. Mm-hmm. You know, understanding leads to compassion. Right. And uh, so compassion for oneself and compassion for the people that we, we get involved with in life. Um, so that's uh, the first thing that, that Casilda and I really, our first uh, modest ambition for the book is that people um, go a little easier on themselves and on each other and don't necessarily 
believe that you know being attracted to someone outside of marriage is a reason for a divorce or is a failure of your relationship or a personal failing or whatever. So, so having that understanding is is very important and I think very useful. Uh, in terms of more practical um, information. I think that, uh, you know, there are things like, for example, we talk about the uh, famous Swiss T-shirt study mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, where uh, Klaus Wedekin, the scientist, went into, he said, well, women have such a, uh, their sense of smell is so much stronger than men's. Why? What are they, why did it evolve that way? Why, why do, what are women picking up from smell? And so his, his hypothesis was that they're, picking up information about the men's immune system. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I don't know if we have time for me to explain the whole, the whole experiment, but essentially what he did was he found women who had a particular deficit in their immune system. Like uh, there are 10, let's say there are 10 different types of pathogens that we can respond to. And so a woman would be low in number 10 or number 8 or number 9 or whatever. And then he found men who, who uh, also had a particular deficit. And he would have these men wear a T-shirt for three days, no soap, no showers, no deodorant, nothing, and then put the T-shirts in a Ziploc bag, and then he presented the T-shirts to the women. And the women would just smell the T-shirt, and judging by the smell, uh, try to uh, gauge how attractive they thought the men were, never having seen the men. And what he found was that about 85% of these women chose exactly the way he would have predicted, or as he did predict. So they chose the men whose immune system sort of uh, merged or compensated for her own weakness. Right, which makes right. Sense. You know, because then the kid. Cranial would... nerve zero. What's <laughs> People that? Heard me talk about it. I'm big on pheromones and this research around cranial nerve zero, which helps us pick up those pheromones and is, goes to certain centers in the brain that help us. Um, understand the immune system of our potential mates. There it is, yeah. I have this whole thing about covering it up keeps us from choosing the right mates. So, yeah, deodorant covers it up. I'm not saying people should stop wearing deodorant, but, uh, and, and so, do you know what the 15% who didn't choose? Do you remember? Mm-mm. The, birth the birth control, control pills. Yeah, exactly. They were on birth control pills. Wow. So the birth, because birth control pills tell the, the woman's body she's already pregnant, apparently it blocks this ability to pick up that information about the man. Wow. So if you apply this to modern life, you imagine how many couples met when the woman was on the pill, right. they got married, decided to have kids, and then two or three years down the road, she's not attracted to him anymore. This could you be know, I mean, my so woman much. who said, I'm not attracted to my husband anymore. What's going on? Exactly. Maybe that's a case where she was on the pill when they got together, and now she's off the pill, and now for the first time since she met him, she's actually smelling him and her body. It's a purely chemical response to saying, this is the wrong guy for you. Oh, my goodness. And, and on that note, we have to go. <laughs> oh, that's a, that's Thank a you downer. So much. That was a good way to leave it. Christopher Ryan for being on the show. You can visit him at sexatdawn.com. Check out this book. Really amazing information like that study we were just listening to. I've had a great time on Sex with Jaya today. Thank you again, Christopher, for being on the show. And I've enjoyed Sex with Jaya. Have you? I've enjoyed it thoroughly. Me too. You have been listening to Sex with Jaya. For more, you'll have to tune in next Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 
4 p.m. Pacific Time to the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, make it the best weekend ever with tips you've learned from today's show. Thanks again for joining us. Sex with Jaya is brought to you by Aloe Cadabra. Aloe Cadabra is 95% organic aloe vera. Visit www.alocadabra.com today.